You are listening to Artistic Finance, show 74. On today's show, I interview lighting designer Dawn Chang. We discuss how she uses LinkedIn, how to use it as freelancers and artists, and where to get free LinkedIn courses and training. Dawn has designed lighting on Broadway, Off-Broadway, and was the resident lighting designer for the New York City Opera. During this interview, I learned so much about LinkedIn strategy. I hope you learn a lot during this episode, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I had making it. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. We are recording this on October 20th, 2021. The COVID-19 vaccine has been administered to 57 plus percent of the U.S. population. Afghanistan has been under Taliban rule since August. On Broadway, half of the theaters have reopened with Book of Mormon announcing that they're going to be opening one day earlier than originally expected. Welcome and thank you for listening. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and today I welcome lighting designer Don Chang to the podcast. Welcome, Don. Hi, Ethan. Good to be here. First things, thank you for being here. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm a lighting designer. I'm based uh, on the East Coast, and I've been doing this ever since I got out of college, and I love it. All right. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So, so my background was in music and dance. I studied piano for 16 years, including four years at Oberlin Conservatory and eight years of ballet through high school. I also had a really strong math science background because I grew up in Silicon Valley and my dad basically was an inventor. He worked for some of the major firms and eventually had his own company. He had a number of patents to his name. Loved the per- I loved music. I loved dance. I knew I didn't want to be a performer, but I was studying it all the way through college. I didn't want to be a scientist either because that was too dry for my interests. And I went to college thinking I was going to be a psychology major, which I did do that major, but fell into theater in spring of my sophomore year and never left. It combined all of my interest in the performing arts and making sets stand up and watts and volts and, and amps and all of that. That was the perfect match for me, and I never looked back. So wait, you, you were a dancer, or you got to lighting in college? I, I studied ballet in my hometown just for fun, just for fun. My mother had studied ballet when she was growing up, and she also had studied piano growing up, and so that was clearly a direct influence on me, uh, taking both of those. I just continued piano studies through in Oberlin Conservatory. I, I auditioned into the conservatory and was able to take classes, but I enrolled as a liberal arts major because I did not want to be a performance major. That was all for fun for me. The more detailed version is a, a classmate of mine who was a voice major and I was taking voice lessons from him said, how'd you like to help finish building some scenery for Don Giovanni, the opera? I went, yeah, sure. I'm getting kind of bored with classes. And I walked in spring of my sophomore year and never left. I totally loved all of that. Signed up for Run Crew, was watching uh, a dress rehearsal of Don Giovanni from stage left, reading the score over the stage manager's shoulder, because as a pianist, I didn't really know vocal repertoire. 
So I'm watching this incredible quartet with the lights on, costumes, the two-story set that we built and painted. It's a New York designer who had come in to do the show. And I was watching all this, listening to this incredible Mozart quartet, and I'm going, wow, they do this all on purpose. I want to learn how to do this. And that was that light bulb moment for me. Oh my God. Okay. What I love about talking to you is that you're so positive and you love what you do. <laughs> I'm not saying there's a lot of jaded people in the industry, but I happen to work with some people that have been jaded. <laughs> <laughs> some dated people. That's what I like about the kind of work that we do because the upside of being freelance, all of us being freelance, is you're self-selecting. You have to actively say yes to each project. There's a reason for being there. It isn't like you kind of like wake up, you know, get decades later and go, oh my god, I am still here doing this, as you might for some large corporation, although that's not so common these times anymore. So that's what I love is most most people come in with a reason for, you know, a commitment for being there. And that's what's so cool. And that's far better than working in any sort of Monday through Friday, nine to five job for me. Okay, so some icebreaker questions right off the top here. Can you describe your demographics for us? I was born and raised in California. I'm female, Asian American. And I now live in Connecticut, went to Oberlin College. And the only other one that you don't have to share, of course, is your age. I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the plus 60. The plus 60. Oh, a very good place to be, from what I hear. A yeah, a good range to be. <laughs> okay. And now your creative and your financial personalities. What is a live event that you like to experience as an audience member? I love any good sh live show in person with an audience, which is as we're all just now starting to just experience live audiences again after a year and a half, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. So any wonderful performance and getting to celebrate great performances and with a live audience is breathtaking. And I'm making up for lost time right now. I've seen more theater in the last couple months than I did before because I'm making a concerted effort. Like, no, I am going to go see it. That's great. It's especially sweet right now. And so you don't have a preference over dance, theater, opera, concert. Plays, musicals, pop concerts, big spectacles, all that. Opera is good. Um, I mean, for all the years I spent in classical music, I like classical music, but it's not my first go-to thing necessarily that I put on, maybe on Sunday mornings, but not seven days a week. I was the resident line designer for New York City Opera. Back in the day, you know, after doing 80 hours of opera uh, a week, I would come home and turn on MTV yep, just yep. to kind of like <laughs> change it up. You know, some people live in the classical music world. I kind of need a little more variety than that. Well, I was jokingly going to ask you about a Miley Cyrus concert. Like, would you go to that? Maybe Miley Cyrus. I mean, I used to tour with some middle of the road acts and stuff. And I, I realize I'm getting more picky about who I would go out with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to like the group that you want to spend that much time on the road with them. But Miley Cyrus, yeah, definitely. Okay, all right. So now your financial personality. Are you good or bad with money? I'm good with money. Oh, nice. I saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> even, though, even though you said the inventing was too dry for your taste, yeah. I thought, uh, she seems on top of things. <laughs> well, it's also, you know, as a line designer, we deal with numbers a lot, as you know. That all just kind of comes comfortably to me. And also, as I was getting out of college, uh, someone I worked with 
was kind enough to start introducing me to the whole concept of saving for the future. You know, those kinds of things that I hadn't really thought about through all my schooling. And so I kind of eased into it and then started reading books, you know, a few basic books about that and getting into some other courses and resources that helped a lot along the way. Okay, so now to what we're going to talk about today, which is LinkedIn. Can you tell the story of actually how you and I are even talking today? Because you said it's a mini LinkedIn story of its own. Right. There are two parts to it. The other thing that I've, I'm, I participate in is Lunch Club. You get to meet people over Zoom one-on-one for 45 minutes. It's an invitation-only Lunch Club, which before the pandemic met in person. So if you were in the New York area, you would get together for lunch. Since the pandemic, it's all been on Zoom. So I got into Lunch Club through some of my friends on LinkedIn. That's the first part of the LinkedIn connection. So I was talking to Brian McLaughlin maybe a month and a half, two months ago as a Lunch Club pairing. He's a film producer out in LA. We had a great conversation. And then later that week, he, he had another Lunch Club gathering that he did live in person in LA with Matthew Lopez. Brian was telling Matthew, oh, I just met with somebody else on Lunch Club earlier this week, Don Chang, a lighting designer. And Matthew says, oh, I have a friend in, on the East in New York, Sammy Ross, who's also a lighting designer, who's also, you know, con- you know, looking to continue to forward her career. And Brian says, well, we should introduce them. And Brian wrote a post on LinkedIn, which got all kinds of comments and likes. And so Sammy and I connected and talked and also discovered that we had both been on a USA 829 three-day workshop about 3D Vectorworks earlier this summer. And so we were in the same group setting, but we didn't have any, you know, exchange. It was all about listening to the instructor. So we had a great conversation. And then your name came up and she says, oh yeah, Ethan, I did his podcast last year. (laughs) You should really meet him. This all started with me getting introduced to Lunch Club from one of my LinkedIn friends and and all the way around the circle that way. Amazing. Amazing. From my view, historically, as a lighting designer, as somebody working in the entertainment industry, I have not necessarily found LinkedIn useful to me, and maybe we'll get into how I can use it better. But first off, just basic question, what is LinkedIn, and should individuals from the entertainment and performing arts industry be using it? Second part, yes, people in the entertainment industry definitely should be using it. There is a community and a growing community of entertainment professionals in stage, television, film, voiceover, producing in all of those categories who are on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has sometimes been described as Facebook with a business suit. It is networking on a professional level and not necessarily showing cats riding around on Roombas and and other things. And there's over 600 million people worldwide who are signed up and only about 1% of active users in any given month are posting so you can get a lot of visibility. There isn't a huge amount of competition or noise. Just like any other avenue of networking, whether you're doing that live in person in New York City or you're going attending uh, conventions, workshops or other things, it's another form of connecting with a lot of people which then can just kind of add to your potential resources for 
developing your work and developing working relationships. It's been around since 2003, so it's almost 20 years old. When did you get on to LinkedIn? I got introduced to it, I'm going to guess it was about 2006. I, you know, somebody said, how would you like to be part of LinkedIn? And kind of got me introduced to, into it, and I had a very dormant account. I had an account in name only and pretty much did zero on it. Last year, as the pandemic hit, I had all this time to do other things. <laughs> One of the things I did was I took um, a health insurance workshop on Actors Fund, which is a huge not-for-profit for anybody in the entertainment industry. It had been a workshop that I had wanted to take but never had the time to do, so I took that, and that was very useful. And then they have a monthly calendar of events, that are, of things coming up, and they had one on LinkedIn. I went, oh, yeah, LinkedIn, I, I got lots of time. Sure, I'll take that, and started to learn. It was part of a three-part series or four-part series at that time, and started to learn the elements of LinkedIn through Alexandria Bellavan, who runs the LinkedIn suite of workshops under the Career Center at Actors Fund. And the fourth part is the LinkedIn challenge that is of your posting daily for 15 days. You're basically taking everything you learned passively in the other three workshops and putting it into practice for 15 days straight, plus their daily activities, introduce you how to use the networking tools and also just get you more familiar with the platform in terms of how you can use it, how you can use the help center, you know, writing recommendations for others. It's and all that that's great. So I happened to be in the first cohort June of twenty twenty, which was the first time they conducted the workshop online. Uh, prior to the pandemic it was all in person and all of their workshops were either in New York, Chicago or LA offices of of the Actors Fund. The 30 or so of us who took it, I can't remember how many, were so jazzed about how much we learned and how much we had to stretch to get through the 15 days in, and with amazing sort of learning curves to it. We all kind of turned around and went, wow, wow, Actors Fund, Alexandria, what can we do to help you support this? It just sort of organically evolved into a bunch of us became basically teaching assistants. We call it uh, LinkedIn ambassadors. So every time they offer the challenge, there's probably 15 of us who, who serve as ambassadors for a cohort of up to 35 people taking the challenge. Um, so if there are five ambassadors per group of roughly 10, 10 to 12. And that's a good balance because all of us still have other lives and other work and stuff like that. So we kind of tag team each other through the two weeks. Okay. Uh, actorsfund.org is the website. Mm -hmm. So can anybody, do you have, like I know Actors Fund is theater and entertainment people, but let's just say there's an accountant out there listening to this. Could they join the Actors Fund? Like, should, could they sign up for this workshop? Can anybody do it? I think it's meant for anybody in the entertainment industry. So television, film, stage, any of that. Now, if you do accounting for, if you're doing payroll for TV shoots, you're in. We've had legal, legal counsel from film, film studios or independent studios be part of it. Any sort of remote connection into the entertainment industry is valid.
and it's all free. Actually, you're the second week in a row that somebody has mentioned the Actors Fund and all of its resources. Wow. It's a good, good resource. Um, also, I just went on the website to look at registering for this uh, four-part LinkedIn training. Uh, and it says prerequisite, the career center orientation. So the orientation is simply an overview of what the Actors Fund is in general and the career center in specific. So it's just to introduce you to the whole umbrella of services because the services that Actors Fund provides is quite broad and it's offered weekly. That's really easy to, to schedule and do. The next time that the whole LinkedIn suite is happening is the first week of November uh, 2021. And then it, it'll be offered twice in 2022. We were doing it every other month this year, but because of the new programming cycle that they're doing and new workshops that they're offering, uh, it'll only be offered twice next year. So this episode is coming out November 1st. So that's a Monday. So you could quickly jump in and sign up for the workshop. I don't know if you can do it that quickly. Exactly. November 1st, 3rd, and 5th are the three parts. On November 5th, you learn more about the LinkedIn challenge, which starts the following about three days later. Got it. Oh, I see. So all three parts of that are in one week. Right. If you can get all three of them before the challenge, great. If you can only get one or two parts of it before the challenge, that's okay too. And it, and it doesn't have to be in sequence. Okay. And if somebody was listening to this and they missed out on that Monday, the first, could they jump into the second one? Yes, absolutely. And I, I encourage everybody to take this because it changed my life. I had I went from zero understanding of LinkedIn to a working knowledge of it. It has become a part of what I do every day. And it has broadened my reach, people who are aware of me. It's led to this whole conversation, this podcast that we're having. And I'm finding even when I was meeting with a producer for an off-Broadway show, and he's also a producer for major Broadway productions. What's very common now is people, first thing, they look up your LinkedIn profile to find out who you are, what, what you're doing, what you're up to, as well as my website. That usual tap dance you have to do, go, hi, I'm Dawn, this is what I've done. He knew all that. He knew all of that because he had looked at my LinkedIn profile. Okay, this is incredible. I got a lot of thoughts going on in my head because I am overwhelmed by social media. Yeah. It's sort of intertwined into my life, so I, I know people who cut it out, and I just can't seem to do that as much as I want to do it. So now I'm like, well, maybe I should get on LinkedIn, cut out the social media, and LinkedIn can be my purposeful and useful social media. That's what Al Alexandria has done. I mean, she, she definitely has been a media maven of, of every stripe of everything that's happened ever since she was, you know, in her early teens onward. But she has focused down to LinkedIn only for exactly that reason. She finds it so useful. She is a master of social work. She is a career counselor. She focuses on job opportunities, which is how she uses LinkedIn and she teaches. There, there are a lot of other workshops at the Actors Fund Career Center about other parts of if you're looking for work or if you're trying to add a side hustle, how to do that, how you can use LinkedIn to help search for those kinds of opportunities. There are workshops about how to craft your about section. You get to tell your story about who you are, 
where you came from and what you're doing, which is always the hardest part to write for any of us. How do you write interesting, concise manner that's useful and appealing to others? Within the LinkedIn suite of workshops and some other ones, they have workshops to help you with that. And these workshops are typically an hour to two hours in length. Some of them are, have one, two, or three parts over multiple weeks. There's a lot there to help you. LinkedIn also has to do with branding. Who do you want to be? What do you want to represent on LinkedIn? Why do you want to be on LinkedIn? And how do you want to use the platform? My LinkedIn story is 2007, 2008. I created one. I wasn't really active on it, but somewhere around 2011, I customized it to work. So basically I took my theater resume and I put it on LinkedIn. And that doesn't really work in LinkedIn but I made a way to make it work. And then once a year or once every other year, I would update it, which was painful a little bit. And so then fast forward to like late 2019 or early 2020, I was like, every two years I update this thing. Never once has anybody invited me to be their connection. <laughs> <laughs> Never once have I gotten a job. Never once has it served any useful purpose other than every two years I'm updating it. So I was going through some mid thirties angst apparently and I deleted the account. I frankly, I have not been upset about that. If anything, it's released a burden of having to update it. But now that I'm talking with you, two years without it, maybe I should tackle it again. Maybe I should take this workshop and bring it back into my life. How do you think I could be using it differently than I was that would be useful? Oh, great questions. Ethan, I think it would be really great for you to take it. I, and I would encourage you for the November sequence as opposed to waiting five or six months into 22 uh, when it's offered again. And some of the reasons are, one, you have this podcast now, you've got this reach, you're used to how that works and how you interact with your listeners, your Patreon subscribers, and, and all of that. So you're in a different place than you were in the mid-2000s, definitely. Secondly, getting responses back or requests for connection also has to do with your level of participation in the platform. So that's what the LinkedIn challenge does for 15 days. You're posting for 15 days. Every day you are liking at least 10 posts on the platform and commenting on four different posts that you come across. So what that's doing is starting to build your engagement. You, you have to be active on it. For the challenge, that means seven days a week for two weeks. After the challenge, if that drops to five times a week or three times a week, that's good. LinkedIn likes a certain amount of consistency out of people who use it. If you drop out for a month, your activity and ability to views or connections with people tends to plummet until you start building it back up. As there are with all of these platforms, there's some gurus out there who, um, not so much as influencers, but there's some gearhead gurus and influencers who have actually run tests and stats and all that. One of the leading ones talks about he used it to help get his copy editing, editing copywriting business, boosting uh, potential customers, all that. And that worked. And once he started really rolling in that, he dropped off of LinkedIn for some time and suddenly after he had gone through all his new contacts, he went, wait, I don't have any more customers coming in. And he realized it was connected to 
his inactivity through LinkedIn. So he has made it part of his business model, the same way that you have to dedicate a certain amount of time to feed and care of your podcast. He spends a certain percentage of his, of his time each week posting and doing all those things I just talked about on LinkedIn. And also it's about helping others. You're offering experiences from your life. A really good one of the exercise activities we do on the challenge is write a post about some problem you had and what you did to solve it, having to do with your production or entertainment career. So we all have a gazillion stories about what we did when the headsets failed. And about jaded people, as referenced earlier. Annie, <laughs> you name it. Uh, you, you could do probably a whole week's worth of, of posts about various things like that happening. People get to know about you, your problem solving, your creative imagination for, for getting things back on track, that sort of stuff. And at the same time, it's, it's interesting to read. It is completely about engagement. What happened to me after... I took the workshop in June of 2020. Alex was saying she, she posted daily, and I went, okay, I'm going to do that. So I've been basically posting daily since June of 2020. It takes time. It takes time. I mean, you'll, you'll definitely see expansion and change and movement even in the two weeks. Some of these very experienced people on LinkedIn talk about at least nine months. And if you're really significantly trying to build your business, it, you're, you're looking at two and a half years. But it's not like zero and all of a sudden it bumps up. It's increasing along the way. And I have to say for me, I've connected with people who I've known for ages, but have kind of like fallen out of contact with, you know, after you finished doing that production with them five years ago, they sort of disappear out of your life. And then LinkedIn has been a great way to get back in touch. LinkedIn is also a starting point also, not just, oh, wow, I made two more connections this week or I made 10 more connections. It's like, wow, actually somebody else you know, Beth Tarumsha, who was a student of mine at University of Michigan when I was an adjunct one semester. We reconnected through LinkedIn and then did a phone call to catch up. So it's, it's not just like, oh, wow, I'm meeting all these new people. It's like, oh my God, Beth, I lost track of you, you know, after a certain number of years. And so we got on the phone with each other and got back in contact, which was wonderful. So it's the beginning of things. I just connected with a stage manager that I've worked with a lot. He's looking at maybe also developing a side hustle in project management, which I have also done as a theater consultant. So we're going to talk on Monday. So connecting with people you haven't seen in a while and, and continuing to use it as, as a way to just continue all those conversations that we like to normally have. I mean, if you could go to enough ETC holiday parties <laughs> <laughs> through a year or something, this is a way to do that through the year. And for those of us who've ended up being ambassadors, we have a whole Slack workspace that we use both to help administrate the challenges and also just to kind of, we've helped develop curriculum for the LinkedIn uh, challenge and so on. It's like being on the PTA or something else that is an organizing focal point for your energies. I just had a show that I did a month and a half ago in New York. Six of us got together. It was the first show that all five of them had seen since the pandemic. And we went to an outdoor restaurant afterwards and 
we've been working with each other online as LinkedIn ambassadors for six to 12 months. And we finally got together and it was great, great fun. And it's all people in the performing arts. It's so hard to find other people through other channels. And we just kind of fell into it because we've been on so many different Zoom calls and Slack channels doing the first draft or the second pass or somebody else doing the proofreading on, on curriculum or other things that we've been doing. It has grown a, a true community. Yeah. And I want to say Beth Ramsha, she was episode 55 talking about real estate. Right. She off air talked to me. She, she's very nice. She was so incredibly nice, gave a lot of her time. We were talking about career options and things like that. She was saying, you need to get on LinkedIn. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my head, I was like, no, I got off of that thing a couple of years ago. No way am I going. And she said, well, it's the adult thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would offer to you is take the full suite November 1, 3, and 5, do the challenge, which will take you through late November. And then if you want to walk away from it and never be, do it again, that's great. But you will have gone through it. You can see if it works for your life or not. That's fine. At least you will now be jiggy with what's going on and, and how, if it's useful to you, to use it or not. Yeah, and I think I definitely should at least open it up and start again because creating the profile correctly versus what I did 15 years ago, even if I end up walking away from it, but having it set up there to be a reference for others who do use the platform, right. that can't hurt anything. Right. Because I think also part of why I took it down was I was at an identity crisis of uh, TMI for our listeners, but I was thinking, am I going to get out of lighting? Am I going to get out of theater? Right. What do I call myself? I'm not comfortable calling myself a lighting designer anymore. The solution was to delete the page. <laughs> Understood. People have refashioned their profiles. Some people that take the challenge are looking at exactly that, getting out of the entertainment side and shifting into something else. And, and they're using the LinkedIn challenge as a way to put that new direction as the forefront of what they're doing and start to try that out, test that out. What happens when you're posting for 15 days straight and you kind of get this just because you've had such a long sustained record now with the podcast, you start to know what your voice is, what you're bringing to your listeners, what you bring to the questions. It's a way in text form you can append videos or articles. You start to develop your own voice as a presence on LinkedIn. So you're already way ahead of the game because you've been having this podcast. We'll go with that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just switching to a different medium. Yeah, yeah. And I think sort of what I'm taking away from this is about the engagement. I think you can easily listen and say, oh, I can create the page, but I have to upkeep it and maintain it in order for it to grow, to be of use to me. But I must say one of the things about social media and LinkedIn is social media just for your career you can jump five minutes onto these platforms a day and you think, oh, I'm just going to be on five minutes. And that's great. But again, you're seeing useless information, stuff that doesn't matter. It can't take action on any of it other than text your friend and say, I saw your cat. You guys are so cute. <laughs> but with this five minutes on LinkedIn, that's intentional. Yes. I am actually sort of appealing to this. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of drawn to this now. I can waste time on the computer, which I'm going to do inevitably. I'm going to waste time in my day. I should waste it in a way that <laughs> I can connect with others in my industry. Exactly, exactly. And, and part of the challenge and also just the 
early months and then cultivating your news feed so you aren't just kind of getting random posts from people not connected to your interests. You start to learn how you can find people through hashtags, you know, common interests, technology or touring. There's a whole cohort of people who do all the big mega tours who are part of LinkedIn. And you can start to find, get a much more interesting newsfeed that is pointed more towards your interests. And that takes time because when you're starting from scratch, you're getting all this stuff that you got, this is not of interest to me. And then it's just, it's just working through it. Okay. So if I wanted to reactivate my account or create a new one, just basic steps. What Say I wanted to do this before taking the workshop. What would be a good way for me to open it up and set it up and begin all this? God, it's been so long. Um, well, because you were talking about the importance of your about page. I, I view it as a you create your about page and you upload your resume and then you start connecting with people. Is that right? I would say go start looking at people's profiles. The profile page is like if you look up Don Chang, you search on Don Chang at LinkedIn, you'll get my profile page. My about section is a little bit more of a narrative. There isn't my resume per se in terms of that actual document anywhere on my profile. Although there's another section called experience where you're, you'll basically get a lot of the key parts of my resume because that's more how LinkedIn likes to look at things as opposed to that one or two page PDF. A couple of important parts are like the headline. There's my photo and then everyone has a headline. So anywhere you go on LinkedIn and if I like somebody's post or I comment on somebody's post that has my name and my headline that tells people that I am a lighting designer. I have part of a quote in there from a painter who I really liked and it says, the artist shows that there are still more pages possible. So that's kind of, it's like a tagline. So that's an important part that you, you need to figure out what represents you in a fixed amount of space. And then the about is, it would be more like a, a, a summary of some of the questions that you ask your guests in the opening five or 10 minutes, as opposed to the resume. And then the experience section is then where you can say, I was production stage manager on X, and then before that I was stage manager on Y and Z, and before that I was house manager at so-and-so. So those are the basic chunks. The headlines is your tagline. Okay, so for me, my headline could say something like lover of artists and money. Yeah, exactly. And then my about would be me, my story, who I am, what my career has done. Right. And yeah. then below that is listing my credits. Right. And this is where I had a problem before in the before world where the credits, you have to list each one individually. You have to say, this is the company and this was my role. Is it still set up that way? Uh, yeah, but there are ways that you can use you can use that. I'm going to use a stage manager example again. So like people in the performing arts are not like people who stay at a job for five years, then then move to another job for two years and so on. We're running through a, a number of productions in a given year, say. You can have a heading that says stage manager, and then you can list as separate bullet points, you know, show one, show two, show three, the dates and, and so on. And then you can have another heading of production stage manager and list all of those. And then, and then let's say after that, you moved up to production supervisor. You can clump things together so they don't have to be so granular down to, I did the show in January, I did the show in March, I did the show in June. 
And it's actually easier for the reader to understand who you are and what you've been doing if you clump it any way you see makes the most sense to you. All right, good to know, good to know. Now, other people might ask this question as a joke. You can laugh at it if you want, but yeah. it's a serious question for me. <laughs> so this is strategizing on how I can get a job designing lights for a Broadway show. Mm -hmm. I've never done it, but I would like to. And so how can I... Keep in mind, I don't have a LinkedIn right now. So how can I create a LinkedIn and eventually have that lead to me designing a Broadway show? It's about building relationships. If we were all still just doing this in person, people would be going to uh, Joe Allen's and hanging out. Ken Bellington used to talk about that. I know he talked about it on your on your podcast about... He, he's, he's another person that loves what he does and loves working, not jaded. Right. And Ken made a whole art out of hanging out at Joe Allen. So that kind of thing where he's going in and the producer's going out and go, oh, Ken, hey, I have a script that I'd like to send you. That's the analog version of LinkedIn. So you're building relationships. So there are producers who on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll drop a name. Ken Davenport is on LinkedIn and he posts regularly. If you want to like his post, the best way to engage is to have some sort of meaningful comment, which is, oh, that's an interesting perspective. I would have thought X instead of Y about this particular show being postponed, as opposed to, ooh, nice post. Thanks for sharing. That's very generic. You're not adding to the actual conversation. But if you start to do that on a regular basis, he gets to know your name and that you're there and you can continue to have this conversation. To give you examples, I've had artistic directors connect with me and also offer me, wow, like a year ago, wow, when we get out of this pandemic thing, I need to get you to my theater. Simply from this type of exchange. And I've had a number of major artistic directors who I've known but have never been connected with at this kind of level in real life thing have reached out to me to connect. I think because I've been posting so regularly with content that is relevant to the performing arts and so on and so forth. So that's what's happening. You're building relationships. It's not necessarily about I got 10 gazillion likes. It's building actual relationships. The familiar version is, oh wow, I hadn't seen Beth in ages. We connected, so that was a real shortcut version. And with people that you don't know, they go, oh wow. I keep seeing Ethan with some really interesting comments or thoughtful remarks. Who, who is this person? And they'll go click on your profile. Part of it is to help encourage people to click on your profile to get to learn more about you. But they're also learning about you through your comments, which is why like 10 different posts and comment on four different posts as well. Go out there, go to the party and engage. Don't, don't sit in the corner. That's the, the forward movement and momentum that starts to accrue over time. Okay. All right. So nobody steal my plan, but there's a Broadway producer called Brian Moreland. Yes. Yes. He makes the news a lot. He just produced his first Broadway show called Thoughts of a Colored Man. Thoughts of a Color. Yep. And I saw him talk at a variety. It was hosted by Variety, this sort of Broadway's coming back talk. But every time I listen to him talk, I think, wow, this guy's really entertaining. He's great. He's fun. He's positive, very positive spirit. And I think, all right, I've got to get him to hire me to light a Broadway show. So nobody listening steal my plan here. <laughs> so I'm going to open my LinkedIn account and I'm going to stealthily, publicly start liking his posts and start commenting on his stuff. 
And then eventually he's going to say, who's this Ethan? He's going to click on me. And eventually, I don't know exactly how this is going to work. A year or two down the line, he's going to hire me to yep. fly to Broadway show. Yep. Does that sound like a plan? Yep. And this goes back to how line designers get hired in the first place. When we get hired for a show, we are not showing a model or, or a whole slew of uh, costume sketches or renderings. We're basically getting hired on trust because mm -hmm. yep. no one knows what it's going to look like. I don't completely. I, I have ideas about how it's going to look like, but I don't know how it's going to look like until I, until I start putting that headset on. So you and I are getting hired on trust. And what are they trusting in? They're trusting in our artistic judgment, our ability to understand the text, our ability to understand what the director wants or thinks in our our ability to realize that in visual form our ability to get it done on time on budget uh work and play well with others and if you're starting to embody that in your presence on linkedin you're building that in advance so there was an article on emptyeasel.com that was 12 ways that artists can use LinkedIn to promote their business. Mm -hmm. And it sort of overlaps with what we're talking about. You can find it in the show notes if, if anyone is interested. I'm just going to point out some things that you've sort of said that they agree with. One of those was give recommendations, yeah, yeah. which is give advice, be helpful, share your stories. Time out. Time out. There is actually a section on profiles that is a, a formal place that you can put recommendations. Oh, that's what that it's meant. It's at the bottom of the profile. Yeah. So if you know Beth Tarumcha and you want to vouch that she is a wonderful person that if you're looking for architectural line, you should go see Beth, you can write her a recommendation on her profile. When you hit send, it'll go to Beth for her approval before it gets posted. And recommendations, just like any place else, because they all have to be vetted by the person who's being talked about, they're like trusted Yelp <laughs> reviews. So having good recommendations and current ones, as opposed to something that's nine years old, is always useful. Okay, this was something that I think you hinted at, but maybe I'm not understanding LinkedIn, but it says, engage in Q&As, be specific with your questions. So the Q&A is the likes and comments. Yeah, okay. They're just using different uh, terminology. They might have been talking about being part of groups, which is a whole separate subset, which we don't need to necessarily get sidetracked into. Uh, and being specific, yeah. So being specific about these are your thoughts about why you think the show was delayed as opposed to, gee, uh, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing is so generic. <laughs> it's not adding to the conversation. But if you have something, and also just comment when something resonates with you and it feels authentic. This whole exercise is not meant to force something that isn't there. Keep scrolling until you find something or another day when it does resonate with you. The idea, as you do with your podcast, is that it has it has to be authentic. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I, I don't like social media because, or I don't participate in it a lot because I don't feel genuine. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like engaging, but I think if you zero in and get very specific about a very specific topic, you know, like lighting for theater, then I can engage more and feel motivated to as opposed to thanks for the comment. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> and, and also, if you want to broaden it, because you already have a known audience in terms of artistic finance, that's also part of the whole sort of range of who you are and what you offer. And that makes you unique as well.
and the range of guests that you have on artistic finance is all over the universe of what's going on. It's not just about how to pay your taxes or, or save for retirement. You've done a huge variety of interviews, which have been fascinating. So that's all part of the, the wealth of what you can draw upon. Yeah. And, and then I'll say something that wasn't on that list of 12, but you hinted at it earlier about posting 15 days in a row. I, as I look online for things that I'm interested in, LinkedIn articles appear for me. And even though I don't have an account, I can still read the articles. And people write some really good specific articles on Broadway content, on producing Broadway content. And I've actually found some podcast guests from that. Well, I say these are future podcast guests because I love their LinkedIn articles so much. And when I create my account, I will eventually be reaching out to them and you will hear them here. That's right. That's <laughs> but right. But I, in my own life, not even being on LinkedIn, have gotten so much use uh, and learned new things from those articles. And, and I also think the fact that somebody can go on and post on a LinkedIn article, they don't have to go post in the New York Times. They don't have to post for a newspaper or a magazine. They can just sort of write from their own experience. And the people that want to find that information will find it without those people having to be published. Right. And, and it does show up in search engines. The reach beyond just the LinkedIn post per se or as an article in your LinkedIn post, it, it, does, it does get picked up by a much broader megaphone out there. So absolutely. Okay. So I feel like we're going to wrap up shortly here, but I have a selfish question to ask. This is going back to my scheme with Brian Moreland. I'd love to have him on the show, and I think I could connect with him through LinkedIn. Say that's my motivation. How, would, how should I go about asking him to be on the podcast via LinkedIn? First, finding out, is he on the platform? Is he active on the platform? There are a lot of people, as you were describing, including yourself, that have a LinkedIn account but haven't looked at it in six months or six years. So that's the first thing. So let's, let's presume that he is on LinkedIn. I just found him. He's on. Great. So even if you want to say congrats on Thoughts of a Color Man, I've been following it, you know, the whole trajectory from Syracuse stage to Broadway and all of that. Terrific. I'd love to connect with you. You have, whenever you connect with somebody, add a customized message. 99% of the people just hit the connect button, meaning, uh, hi, it, and, and don't say anything about themselves. What, what we got taught in the LinkedIn suite is put a message on it, give them a reason to go, oh yeah. And also, if you are accepting someone's invitation to connect, send them a message back as well. That's important. Start that conversation. I had one very high-level artistic director who I've known, but we hadn't been connected on LinkedIn before. We connected, and so I accepted his invitation, and we started chatting, and it became this whole thread back and forth. And he's basically looking at some of the stuff that I'm going to be doing in the next year because I know he's looking for programming for his venue. So I went, I have some interesting things that are coming up. I can't talk about them yet because they're, they haven't been announced. You might find them interesting. And then someone else reached out to me to connect, and I connected back, and he wrote back, hey, you, your name came up in a meeting yesterday, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so another in the themed entertainment world, a very large theme, and, he, and so we got into a whole conversation there. Great, I just learned a lot more from you from this thread back and forth. Your part wouldn't come up in, for a while now, but uh, let me, how do I get a hold of you, blah, blah, blah. So now he has all of that, 
And, and now he knows that I've worked in themed entertainment because he, he didn't know that part of my background. So yes, always send a message back or, or a message out even when you're sending an invitation. Okay, so when I connect with Brian Moreland, who I won't do right away, I'll like, I'll comment, then I'll, then I'll do it. I will include a message saying, Ethan, big fan, blah, 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 blah. Please, please accept my connection. <laughs> yeah, and also would love to have you on my podcast. All right, it's going to happen. This is all, everything we've talked about is going to happen. I mean, it's, it could take months before you were able to get to a cocktail party or an opening night party to do this in person. Uh, I'm not saying that this is a faster way, but this is a ubiquitous platform that's out there. It, it is 100%. It's more efficient. It's like dating apps. You know, I know a lot of people say, oh, I could never, I could never be on a dating app. You know, uh, I love my wife very much, but if, say, she were going to die, <laughs> I immediately, well, first of all, I would mourn and I would never partner up again. But if I were to partner up again, I would you totally use a dating app 100% because it is so efficient. What, am I just going to walk down the street and sort of partner up with whoever's nearby? Like, that's so old-fashioned. When there's all, <laughs> when there's, I could just immediately find somebody that's compatible is the word, I suppose. Not Maybe not a good comparison, but also it's 100% exactly that. Getting rid of the cocktail parties, in a sense, those are still important and necessary. This can streamline who, you know, of the 7 billion people in the world, this can connect you immediately to that little tiny niche of people that you need and want to know. And internationally. Right. So, so through, through LinkedIn, I, I had worked with an a, a incredible production stage manager when we took Showboat. I worked on the Hal Prince production of Showboat as the associate line designer and was responsible for helping to set up the five companies, that touring companies we had worldwide. And one of the stage managers, a production stage managers who was based in Australia was wonderful. We kind of fell out of touch after a few years. We found each other again on LinkedIn. She now has been working for Cirque du Soleil for years now and relocated to Montreal. So we got back in touch. And someplace along the way, she unearthed the photo from opening night of six of us when we were all babies. Uh, and that garnered a whole nother chatter with all her Australian friends and some of the Australian colleagues that I got to know. So it's international. And, and I've worked in, in Asia. And so a lot of my friends and colleagues there, we've reconnected or, you know, connected more even. All right. I forgot about the whole international, of course, of course. So if you want to work in London, if you want to work in Australia, Canada, Europe, um, all of that's there. Incredible. I didn't even think about that, like relocating or something zeroing in on the coffee hours in said city or country, making your presence known there. Mm -hmm. Or even of, hey, I'm, I'll be coming over to London in February. Um, my London friends, what shows should I be seeing? And you'll get a bunch of replies if you've been you know, active and all that. And they'll say, hey, you know, these shows are opening and I'm free that first week that you're here. You got time for coffee. I want to circle back to what you said about including a message when you add a connection. I think that is such a good point. And okay, let me explain also why I'm interested in LinkedIn all of a sudden is because I have a podcast, some people may know. And because of that, and maybe because I don't have a LinkedIn, people have randomly started friending me on Facebook. Suddenly, all these people that I don't know, but I think I know because we have 60 mutual friends, like because we're all lighting designers or something. All these people over the course of the last two years have started friending me. 
Some of them I accepted just because I thought, oh, they're going to share something about a show we're about to work on, you know, or something. But they, none of them sent messages. Me, being a tactless human being, I would respond and say, hey, I'm happy to friend you, but how do I know you? And they would never message me back. <laughs> and anyway, long version of this is I realized that people were networking with me on Facebook, and it took me a while to realize that. A couple months ago, somebody friended me and then said, so I'm friending you to network with you. And I realized, oh, that's what has been happening. All these weird requests I've been getting. And some I friended, some I didn't friend. You know, because some of them are like my peers or um, lighting designers that I look up to or I could assist or something. And so like I sort of have to accept the friend request because it's like, oh, I sort of want to work with this person. Anyway, all that to being said, if those people had just messaged me when they friended me, it would have saved me so much like confusion and angst and all this. Say you don't have a LinkedIn and you want to network with people online, let them know that that's what you're doing. <laughs> right. Or the reverse that we, we uh, coach the challengers to do is if somebody is sending you an invitation to connect and you don't piece together why, and let's, let's assume that they have a genuine reason that they want to, Hi, uh, great to connect with you. Can you tell me what interested you in my profile or post and see what they came back? And somebody, one person I connected with, yeah, you're great friends with my brother-in-law <laughs> or, or whatever it is. There's somebody I need to get back to. There's somebody overseas who says, hi, I've done architectural lighting, but I'm interested in theatrical lighting. Uh, and I know they're somewhat different. Can you tell me what I should be studying or looking out, looking towards to shift over or add theatrical lighting? And I, I owe her a message back. You know, so all of these kinds of things come up. That's also another reason for me to get rid of, move to LinkedIn and get rid of my Facebook. It accidentally became this place where I have personal and professional, and I don't know how to handle that. So I just want to leave it completely. <laughs> right, right. So you can ignore that and, and focus on LinkedIn as the place where you develop your professional presence and interaction. And LinkedIn is policed well enough. You, you aren't getting a lot of the rogue weird weirdness that you get on some of the other platforms as well. So I have kept you longer than I intended. Thank you so much for doing it. But is there anything about LinkedIn we missed that you want to talk about? And or can I wrap in this question, which is what LinkedIn advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out and say they don't have a LinkedIn yet? Okay, if you're in the entertainment industry and can take the LinkedIn suite, yes, you've heard me say that multiple times already. Create a LinkedIn account, which is pretty straightforward, just like creating a account on any social media platform. And there are people like um, John Asperian, E-S-P-E-R-I-A-N, or Andy Foote, F-O-O-T-E, who know quite a lot about LinkedIn and how best to use it. There are a lot of different people out there, or you could probably search online for how to start using LinkedIn. Is there a book or resource that you can recommend to us that has helped you in your business side of your career or the financial side of your career? There are a lot of good basic uh, books about business and finance that are out there. The ones I read are probably out of date, but similar titles now are like from Susie Orman, you know, about basic financial planning or, or how to invest, how to save. I mean, when I started learning about this, I, I barely knew what a CD was. 
and I definitely didn't know what a mortgage was. You know, that's where I was starting from. So I just started reading some of these basic books that are out there to help. And then the other thing that helped me tremendously uh, was an entrepreneur, an 18 month entrepreneur workshop that I took while I was based in New York City that taught me everything about S Corps, all different ways of incorporating, all the basic business essentials. And then most importantly, about halfway through nine months in, we split into two different kinds of groups. Uh, there were entrepreneurs who were manufacturing things, objects. So they had a group and all of us who were in services formed a couple of different groups. And what I learned, I always thought show business was always this strange other entity different than any other kind of business in the world. And what I learned from working with 10 other women in this group is that it's still a business. So all those things about contracts, negotiating, staffing, all of that still apply. Just like, you know, if you're a consulting service, an education consultant or any other kind of consultant. And I learned and respected that. And each of us in that group of eight of us, I think, all had different strengths and we kind of became each other's board of directors. So like when I had a really strange contract negotiation that was coming up, I asked the person on our, on our group who was really good at contracts and strategy to take a look at the documents and tell me what she thought about what was going on. So there are groups all over the group that I belong to in New York city that, that, Organization that not for profit doesn't exist anymore, but in a lot of major cities, there are entrepreneurial networks that are basically accountability groups once every week, once every two weeks, whatever the cycle is. And you all go around the circle and talk about what you're working on, and you're accountable. Like if you're going to update your website, you're going to have to show some progress two weeks from now when we meet again that you've actually made some progress to that. And it's, and it's very helpful. Those 18 months changed my business life dramatically. This is an apropos question. Where can people connect with you? <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn as in the top left on the search bar, put, type in Dawn Chang, C-H-I-A-N-G. Go to my profile and look for activity and it'll show you all my posts. And I'm posting every day. Dawn, thank you so much. I absolutely love this. I actually learned an incredible amount. And I think I'm going to have to start up a LinkedIn now. Great. Uh, but thank you so much for taking all this time. <laughs> You're so welcome. I'm, I'm glad that this could be of use. That's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are, yes, LinkedIn can be useful to freelancers and artists. Connecting with people on LinkedIn isn't useful unless you make a genuine connection. LinkedIn can expedite networking but you have to put in meaningful time with the connections that you want. If you connect with someone, always send them a message to let them know why. And finally, while Dawn made an excellent case for using LinkedIn and gave me the strategy to do so, I still have resistance. Promoting artistic finance there seems brilliant and appropriate. Connecting with Brian Moreland and potential guests also seems efficient. But do I want another social media mouth to feed? even if it is for professional connections. What do you think? Are you an artist or freelancer with a LinkedIn profile? Has it helped you professionally? 
Let me know by leaving a comment on YouTube or Instagram or email artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. If you like this content and want to keep it going, please remember to follow and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. An Apple podcast review is always a wonderful thing if you have it in your power to leave one. If you're feeling particularly supportive of the content I'm creating, please join the 22 other AFers who have become patrons. Do that at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. And on November 20th at 11.30 a.m., we will be recording a live episode at LDI in Las Vegas, Nevada. The topic is multiple streams of income with co-hosts Ebony Madri and Siobhan Colleen. For a free ticket, email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.